1: romaine and i'm george chen and you are listening to sup doc a show where we talk about documentaries with guests from tv film comedy and more on today's episode we'll be talking to comedian and director jordan brady jordan brady was a stand-up comedian touring nightclubs across america a self-taught filmmaker he directed four narrative feature films three full documentaries in over 1200 commercials as well as maria bamford's acclaimed netflix special
2: in 2016, Jordan completed his Passion Project, a featured documentary trilogy on what it takes to be a scan-up comedian. I Am Comic stars Sarah Silverman, Leslie Jones, and more. 2014's aptly titled I Am Road Comic stars Wayne Fetterman and Mark Marin. The most personal film of his career is I Am Battle Comic. Filming took Brady to Afghanistan, Kuwait, and undisclosed parts of the Middle East, where a group of USO comedians provide laughter for the troops. Jordan
1: hosts the popular filmmaking podcast Respect the Process, described as the Rosetta Stone of filmmaking, and teaches a commercial
3: directing boot camp. And now here is our guest, Jordan Brady. Hey. Wow. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on, George Paco. That was the longest intro ever. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to have to loop our theme music a couple times just to to cover that. But you've done a lot, so 1,200 fucking commercials. It might even be more now because I've done probably thirty, forty in the last uh, nine months. Holy crap! Yeah, the pandemic shut down shut us down, and <laughs> then I started in July of 2020 and have been working straight through.
1: How did wow? And you guys got early like protocol for sets and stuff? Like
3: yeah, the the community of commercial producers really worked it out. Mm-hmm. With SAG and the DGA and the Directors Guild and the uh, IATSE, you know, everybody was... There were Zooms aplenty trying to figure out protocol and testing. I've been tested 30, 40 times. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did, they, I, I, did they find anything? No, no, <laughs> nothing. <laughs>
1: That's
2: good. I, I did uh, one thing where I had to do the testing like the day before... And then one on the day of, and or not the day of, they had like two days before, and then the day before, and it was like the spit test. Luckily, at that point, I just had to spit in a thing. And oh,
3: I've never done just, that one. I went, yeah, I, I would always tip them so I could get the rectal test. That's that's smart. Yeah, how <laughs> is it? You know, it's it's fun for everyone.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah, not the COVID test time. though. That's a different kind of test. Oops. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I uh I want to like before we get into your filmmaking so you, you you have was as a was a stand-up comedian so you no longer do stand-up comedy? Not
3: not professionally. I mean for the last I didn't for many years but uh I am road comic was the first time I did a a real road gig in like 20 some years. Mm-hmm. And that was uh I think 2014. And then I did in I am Battle Comic, which by the way, is a terrible name for a documentary. It's probably the <laughs> like, worst name battle. yeah, that's what like, like is are battle. they going to roast each other? <laughs> is it like your mama jokes? What a terrible name. <laughs> um, for I am Battle Comic, I had to perform to be able to go on the the uh, tour with Armed Forces entertainment because uh, they wouldn't pay just a guy to document it, and I couldn't just go. so. The other comedians and the producer of the tour said, well, if you do like 10, 15 minutes, then well, you can go on the trip. And I brought a, a some gear. Oh, nice. That's- yeah. I mean, somebody will foolishly invite me to do their, you know, their mic around <laughs> Los Angeles. So I do it a couple times a year, but I got nothing to prove. So it's actually, it's actually fun. And, mm-hmm. and it's, I'm fearless about it. Like I don't give a fuck. I'm not in the, sell Jordan Brady as a comedian business. So mm-hmm. it makes it more fun. Right. Once once the um
1: the that kind of uh challenge and competition and fear of like missing out on things
3: is gone, then I'm, I I imagine stand up becomes a lot more fun. It's a blast. Yeah. I mean, when you see famous people return to stand up, th- then you you get that. Like you go, "Oh, like Ray Romano walked into the comedy seller for a special, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Am I getting that right? And it's kind of a doc, uh, mixed comedy special. You could tell he's just effortlessly doing it when people say, Oh, it's not like riding a bike. You can't just get back on stage and do it. Yeah, you can. I mean, you may not kill, but right. It's going to feel weird. Yeah, I
1: just did stand-up live for the first time in almost a year on Friday, and it was... Oh, congratulations. uh, Thank you. I couldn't remember anything. I couldn't remember any of my transitions, (laughs) opening jokes, closings. It was a big mess. But it was... Do you um, write
3: on your hand? Do you write the...
1: No. Nope, I don't. I probably... Because I don't stick... I'm like, I do a lot of crowd work, a lot of riffing. So, and then if you try to do material with that, it's
3: a big mess, unless you've done it over and over, you know. Well, that's – I agree. That was my problem even now when someone will say, hey, come do the set. I'll try to just riff the whole thing because if you if you riff for like four or five minutes off the room, off someone in the crowd, I like watching the other comedians. Right. Like I'll even go up with the phone and go, oh, didn't you like her? She was great. I loved her routine about spatulas or whatever the <laughs> fuck it is. And then you try to do material. Right. It's like, oh, you're not making it up anymore. No, we don't
1: oh, like
0: –
3: just- <laughs> yeah.
0: We don't crowds like you
3: that. crowds will turn on you. If
1: you'd go to material after doing some riffing, they're just like, or just get quiet, which is even worse.
3: You know, you know, um, perennial guest Wayne Fetterman of your show, who I think has been on 13 times. It's I think 13. He, when we went on the road for that, I am road comic available on iTunes or wherever he, he gave me shit after the first show. Because I made him, I was like, I can't close the show. Like, you have to close every show. Right. And I would do all this bullshit riffing with the crowd and crowd work. And I had some routines. I had tried out new stuff preparing for the gig. And he's like, you know, you're teaching the crowd that it's okay to talk and yell out. Doug Benson said the same thing. He's like, yeah, you had to do crowd work, Jordan, because you didn't have any material. You hadn't been doing it. So that yeah. screws the headliner. Yeah. Have yeah, you ever had in
2: the film? Right. Yeah. Yeah. In the film. Yeah. Have you ever I'm had a headliner? to camera, basically. Oh, <laughs>
3: for sure. Have you ever had a headliner or someone that had to follow you at a gig say, don't do crowd work? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Sure have. I
1: actually got dropped from a tour <laughs> because of that. Yeah. What was that conversation like? It was with the manager, his manager. So mm. it was pretty easy for him. <laughs> did you see the comedian again after the talk uh not for about a year and then now we're we're talking again but i my last set i went up on stage i riffed i killed i walked off stage and he was waiting to go on in his intro and i said sorry i did so well buddy and then because uh, <laughs> they told me before the show she was basically before the show she was like a no riffing b it has to be clean and I was like, OK, because the the um, Leonard Skinner band was in the audience and they wanted uh, it, he wanted to have a great set because uh, he was friends and they're like Southern royalty. Uh-huh. So she gave me this kind of like you can't don't riff and don't do and no swear words. So she the manager, she the manager. Yeah. He the comic. Yeah. And Leonard Skinner. Uh, contemporary. Band. contemporary (laughs) new band up this upstart young kids with mopped hair.
3: Uh, No, I meant the, the headliner was a contemporary of, Oh, right. Yeah. Of (laughs) Leonard. just
2: trying to like, you're like, just trying to like 20 questions. Like who is this guy? Yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah. So
1: yeah. So anywho, I, um, yeah. So that's what happened. I went up my, the second set and I just, I just can't help myself. I mean, sometimes there's people in the audience, I just... There's one guy with his feet on the stage, he was drinking a bucket of Bud Light, and I was just like, I can't help it. And the, so I just talked to him, and it was very funny, and I got off, and they are like, I was like, sorry, sorry. <laughs> but
3: I think the headliner should be able to f- follow anything.
1: I do, too. Thank you. I think you should be... If you can't ride a wave, then then you're stuck in your material, you know? Is that a police song? Stuck? No. So, like... Um, stuck in material, girl. I th- like, if you can't ride that way. if someone kills in front of you and you can't go up and ride it and work with it, then it's like, are you, what is that? Are
3: you more of a writer than a performer at that point? Well, yes. And to your point, couldn't a headliner go up and go, hey, you still got half a bucket of beer, but we've talked enough to you. So I'm going to move on and give the people a show. Right. Like you could just it, like Tai Chi it, right? Use that. Riff energy in your favor and then start to your material. But that means you have to think, I think,
1: you know, that means you have to have a some sort of plan or some sort of stage, not stage presence, but like an active brain on stage, let's say, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, there's some people who think if you riff, then there's a lot of comics, I believe, that just do material. And if you riff, they just don't like you because they think you're trying too hard, you know? I, I feel like there's, like, there's comics who just do material. like, you look like a uh, dancing clown up there or whatever, you know? Like, I think people look down on people who riff. So you're saying there's something wrong with dancing clowns. <laughs> I would never disparage a dancing <laughs> yeah. clown, yeah. especially if they have a dog with a top hat. Oh, my God. Always funny. Oh, Jesus. There's – and I don't think Wayne Fetterman has done enough on um, the history of stand-up about dogs and hats. You know, that would be
3: an interesting documentary. The Vitrola Dog, actually, it was. <laughs> the it
2: trilla was, Dog.
3: <laughs> that, that was your Wayne Fetterman impression. That was my Imagine. Wayne Fetterman impression. So, <laughs>
2: uh,
3: Thanks for having me.
1: <laughs> Had a uh, great time. Oh, man. We Round drank, 14. Didn't we drink soda with Wayne
2: on Mike? Did I, we record that? i don't remember was it orangina i feel like we had an orangina conversation the last time i was over there was to do that one interview with him and then he's like you want to check out my drum set i'm like yeah sure and like we just hung out in his garage for a second with playing around his drum set nice um his neighbors loved it neighbors loved it um uh yeah uh speaking of like yeah wayne also did the uso tours he's because he's in i am battle comic you have a few like uh and interestingly, black and white shots of of interviews. Why was the choice of doing black and white for those interviews in I Am Battle a, Comic? That's a great question. Mm-hmm. Uh, I Am Battle Comic was shot
3: entirely on the Sony, you know, AX thirty five camcorder. It's capable of four K, but I chose not to use that because I literally was a, a crew of one. Mm. So when I did the interviews, a lot of them were in my office, this office that you see on Zoom. Mm-hmm. And I painted that wall gray, so it'd be like a neutral color for, for shooting. And then the interviews in I Am Battle Comic, was a terrible name if I haven't mentioned that. <laughs> the, um, it just It just would separate them, the interviews from the action, and the gray and the lighting, and I'm in a little room. It just felt like it would equalize the interviews,
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
3: right? Cause some of them were not in this office. Like George Lopez was, had a photo shoot on a white psych. So I made that black and white and tried to match the other ones. Um, it just was a way to separate the shitty footage on the road from the shitty interview. It's, I mean, I Am road Coming is probably the least uh, cinematic of the movies, that was an older camcorder. But but I, I have a whole theory about documentary indie docs at the level, the micro budget that I make, and that is keep a tourniquet on spending, right? Because then you can uh, <laughs> you can realize a profit. Zero food budget comes back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No
1: craft yeah, I,
2: resources. Yeah, yeah. No, there was no craft services.
1: <laughs> how did you like, how did you, so was this, uh, does it record in like an, s card like what is what, what format is this camcorder we're talking about okay
3: you, you want me to show you can i go get it and show yeah. you? it's right there Yeah, hold on. great
1: podcasting yeah show we'll, us we'll play a little music uh paul schaefer in the band why don't you <laughs> play us a little george can you hum
2: something uh <laughs> i was thinking of literally uh, the hum song which is stars but i don't remember it's like She's out back counting stars. Like, <laughs> do you know when? I'm, never mind. Hum. A, when you say hum, that's oh, gotcha. '90s, of course. Right, 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 right. Yeah, you can you can trim out my walk to the cabinet.
3: I hope, but we're gonna. This, this, we're this is a
2: Sanford and Son,
3: right there. Yeah. S- simple sling pack, oh, right? Oh, Yeah. And then in the side is a camcorder. Oh wow, that's like and a I consumer. Had, it's a consumer camcorder. Wow, it's uh. I had loaned it to someone, so my name's on it. And then I had a wireless mic or or a shotgun mic. I Mm -hmm. would switch them out. And I was shooting in Toronto, LA, New York for like six months, commercials, right? Leading up to the trip to fly to Kuwait, then go to Afghanistan and other places. So I would go out at night and I would talk to people on the street, practicing how quickly I could take the camera out of the back out of the sling pack mount up turn it on uh-huh. hand someone a mic or clip it to someone like a wireless clip on and i would interview them and go back and watch the footage mm-hmm. and sometimes i had a handheld light that i would put on the side or i would learn to find light in public and no one's ever seen that footage right but it was it was getting those 10,000 hours with the tool that I was going to use. Right. Mm. That's how I found out. Like 4K would eat up all these memory cards. So the whole movie exists on you know like 12 SD cards. I bought one in uh, the kingdom of Bahrain when I ran out. You know. <laughs> yeah. And so that was um. It's but it, it actually looks really good. Like I had a professional colorist color the movie and everything. Oh
1: wow, that's really interesting. It's not what I expected. How did so you weren't able to edit it
3: on site or anything? You just waited till you got back from the tour. I didn't even back up the footage. You didn't. Okay. I have this pelican case the size of an iPhone mm-hmm. that I kept. It's made for SD cards, and and a couple of military bases like in Kuwait, they wanted to take all our stuff, and I just kept it in my pocket. And I said, I have to have it. It's the whole film. And I didn't take a laptop, I didn't take a hard drive, I just said, it's too much shit to carry. Right. And so you, I didn't edit till I got home.
1: And Yeah, that's really rolling the dice then. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and was there anything that you thought you had that you didn't have?
3: Um, you, oh, something I shot that yeah. wasn't here when I came home? No, I got everything. Um, I wish, in, in hindsight, I'd take a second camera for audience shots. Oh right, like one stable, whatever, yeah. set camera, and yeah. Oh, interesting. Don Barnhart, a very uh, funny comedian that's been doing these tours since the nineties. Yeah, yeah, and also a, a a very talented hypnotist. He produced that tour, and <laughs> and invited me to go. And Don Is you first. I think he hypnotized me and is doing the documentary. You will make a documentary. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he did. Would call me up and say, ah, "Let's talk about the cut." You're getting very sleepy. The sound of my voice will influence your edits. Cut out Slade. Call yeah. it "I Am Battle Comic." <laughs> yeah. yeah, really. He's the one. That's how it <laughs> happened.
1: I was going to ask you, what would you name
3: it if not "I Am Battle Comic"? I wanted to – the better title would have been I Am Comic Military Grade." Mm. Okay. Okay. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't really fit the – see, I Am
1: Comic, I Am Road Comic, I Am Battle Comic. Yeah. doesn't quite fit the yeah. trilogy, but
3: – I'm open US for suggestions. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So the – best, The best title is uh, "Afghanistan." Okay. which is a documentary by uh, Graham Elwood <laughs> where he took a camcorder around and he was out in these forward operating bases with sand crab spiders the size of, you know, chihuahuas. It's it's a funny doc. Huh. Interesting. How far did you guys get from the front in any of these? Uh, you know, we were supposed to fly in a helicopter. That's the one thing I didn't come home with but it wasn't shot was we were, we were supposed to fly in these helicopters, you know, 30 kilometers. Like we were pretty close in, in Bagram. You're really close to Ford fobs. They call it Ford operating Bases. And it was raining. And they said, well, we can't go cause it's raining. And I was like, helicopters don't fly in the rain. Like the war stops with participate, <laughs> precipitation. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry, Captain. I'm going to challenge you on this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's weird that they they can't fly in weird increment you know incremental weather. That's a- I think
3: they just didn't want to take us out and right. in the rain and and something and like, about a return trip. Don hypnotize him, and he's like, "Now we shall fly." I mean, I kind of wish there was more shit that happened like right i mean for the doc you kind of you know hoping you'd hear a bullet whiz by or a bomb would go there were some attacks at the base upon the base that we were at but if the base is so big it's like a small city right yeah you know what year
1: was this 2016 that you
3: shot i went in 2016 i edited when i came back and that took uh you know it takes about a year to for the film to ferment Mm -hmm. into a cut right and i'm i'm proud to say we've given all we've almost raised fifty thousand dollars over the life of the film all to charity so i paid for the film i paid for the distribution to it started with a six city theatrical tour and i would have advertising agencies that i work with sponsor a screening we'd sell out the theater and people from different military charities would come. This was so cool. They would have a card reader on their phone. And as we would do a Q&A afterwards with some comics, like Slade came with me, Tammy Pescatelli came to a bunch, Don came to one. They would, uh, the volunteers would swipe people's credit cards in the audience to raise money. Oh, wow. So like in LA, we gave the money to Operation Gratitude. They sell they don't sell. They give and ship care packages to U.S. troops overseas, and the Operation Gratitude—they have it so dialed in. I think we raised like nine thousand dollars at one screening because here we gave them the hundred percent of the ticket sales, and we ate the cost of the theater rental. And then during the Q and A, Tammy would be like, "You people better—you better whip out your credit cards. They're going to come through the aisles." And people would. They would just hand wow. their card, and make a fifty dollar donation, hundred dollar donation. That's awesome. Yeah, it was fun. That's awesome. That, wow. That's that's amazing.
1: I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that this uh like proceeds were going to charity from this doc. Uh
3: I I just got a check because um I have a new distributor that bought the old distributors company. Yeah. Uh, Monterey Media was the the old company, and they distributed. I am I am comic the first one, and so I got to check. There's like some pennies from VOD or iTunes, and I have not given that to charity yet. Okay, but I've paid for the film, so right. I'm I'm okay. I just was like, I, this is a, a this is a nightmare. If yeah. I'm going to separate the eighty-seven cents from the other. All right, All right. Yeah, that's. Yeah let's um let's go to a
1: clip. I think for me, like one of the uh clips that really stands out is when Slade is talking about a uh soldier that he had met and got to know and became it's very poignant it's a very touching moment um and i'cause uh i'll just i just will say it's a very beautiful it's beautifully shot he's very sincere, it's very touching, however, there is a guy in the back,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Know what to do with that,
3: and a fly. There's a fly in the frame too. <laughs> and I was like, "Did his cat get stuck
1: up there? What is happening?" It's the Mike Pence fly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for those uh, who have seen this doc and who will, you'll you'll know what I'm talking about. But let's let's
0: uh, listen to that clip, and uh, we'll talk on the other side of it. In 2003, Sergeant Jose Velez inadvertently became my biggest fan. Kid had the CD. He memorized every word. We'd get letters back from the, from the unit. And they would say, Velez won't shut up about you. And to me, this little kid, man, I've been doing comedy a handful of years. I've been overseas, but not many times. Flattered, mind blown. Holy, wow, someone is into what I'm doing. One day I show up at the club and it was nothing unusual. Get a package from these guys with a card in it. It's a bigger package than usual. And I open it up and inside is the unit coin from their task force and engraved little plaque and the patch off Velez's jacket, the United States patch. He was killed in action in November of 2004. And I just sat there, man. I don't cry, man. I don't cry at all. For the unit to have taken the time to peel that American flag patch off and decide that I was the guy they needed to send it to, these are the things I think about when I come out here. You. You never know if the guy you're performing for shaking your hand, snapping the picture with that your Facebook buddy today is gonna be there tomorrow. That's Afghanistan and Iraq are real. And if I get to, if I get to take that kid away from that situation for that long, why not, right? How many chances do you get to do something that cool?
1: with 100 delicious healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at noom.com. That's n o o m.com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold.
0: Welding instructor Alex Declaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills.
2: There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates
0: that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
1: So Jordan, um, you mentioned that this is your more, most personal film, the I Am Battle comic. So why is it so...
3: What made it so personal for you? Well, that, I mean, that clip made it very personal. I'm so glad that was the clip I was going to suggest... Uh, there's an interesting story. I was in the edit room here in my office for weeks cutting the film and I finally get it to like an hour and 40 minutes. And I asked my wife, cause I'm cutting in a vacuum, right? It's just me. And, and my wife comes to the office, we sit down, we make it dark and we have some popcorn and sodas and about, Seven or eight minutes in, she stops, she goes, slaps the pause button, you know, the space bar on my Mac and goes, what the hell am I watching? This is like a travel log. Why do I care? I don't care anything about this and your buddies that you met and laughing because I'd never met Slade Ham before this. I knew Don, I knew Bob Kubota, uh, Jeff Capri I'd met once. And And then I traveled with Jeff. So we got to know each other for a couple of days in the air. And she's like, I just don't even care about this. And I go, well, here, let me show you this. And I fast forward to like 30 minutes into the movie and it's slayed by the tree. And the sound was really bad. Like we tried to eke stuff out. The guy's looking for his lost lemur in the tree. There's a fly. And my wife goes... If you don't put that in the first 10 minutes of the movie, no one's going to care. If you put that clip, when I see that clip, I know why I'm invested in this. I know why you're doing it. I know why Don's done it for 30 years now. So I, I credit my wife, who makes great documentaries herself, with changing the whole arc of the film. Mm-hmm. Huh, wow, that's amazing.
1: And yeah. that's the day you realize you loved her. Yes. That's the moment. You're like, that
2: when I married this woman. That's exactly <laughs> when I fell in love. Yeah, and you have to have like high stakes, right? Like, like did they find the lemur, you know? <laughs> right. Well, that's in the
3: sequel. But um, why it's so personal is because uh, like when I was 17, 16 or 17, I joined the Marines to pay for college. Oh. And then I broke my face Whoa. and I couldn't go into the Marines. Then I went to college, and I'm there, a freshman at Virginia Tech, and a recruiter has my number because I'm in the system. He goes, you should go to officer candidate school. And I needed to pay for college. I'm from a poor white trash family. So I go to Quantico, Virginia that summer. I go through the Marine Corps uh, officer candidate school. And while I'm there, I had already done stand-up on campus. I always wanted to be a comedian. And I remember the captain calling me in going, so what's this about uh, stand-up comedy on campus? Like, they'd done research. Wow. Like, you know, a background <laughs> what's check. What's this whole joke about airplane food? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why are men and women different? <laughs> right? So uh, I dropped out. I dropped out of college, and I got booked at a, the Virginia Beach Comedy Club. Like, I never went back to school. And a couple, about a year later after that, the government called and said, hey, you're technically AWOL. Like you didn't finish officer candidate school. You know, you go back a second summer. So you can either pay us back the money that we paid you for college. You can go to the Navy brig, which is jail. You can go to Paris Island and be a private first class or get back in college. Holy shit. And But this time I'm doing the road. Like the comedy boom has swept me up and I'm playing Dothan, Alabama, Comedy Zones and the comedy caravan in in Muncie. uh, Indiana? You know, Indiana. Yeah. So uh, by chance, by fate, I played the Roanoke Comedy Club where the recruiter was from. My dad was traveling on a sales trip, met me. I invited... Captain Burrell, probably a general by now, the gunny sergeant from like a Vietnam vet that was just intense, but super nice. They came from the recruiter's office. My dad came, loaned me like 500 bucks. I got the rest of the advance from the bar, did the show, paid the captain, got an honorable discharge. Wow. Wow. That. Crazy, right? Is
1: there could there ever be another one of those stories? I don't think ever so. That is extremely never. unique.
3: And I had not told that story, and I've never told it on a podcast. But I told that story to a group of Marines in Afghanistan at the Marine, the, like the I think it was the fire department guys. Where it's not in the movie. We're just chilling, right? And that's why it's so personal because I always felt like I needed to give something back. Mm -hmm. And I'm so anti-war. I'm so against, like, even why we're in Afghanistan for the last couple decades. But when you meet the women and the men of all races, religions, creeds, socioeconomic backgrounds that volunteer to serve, some have no choice, like, that's the only job they can get, and they're over there. And then I, I learned to segregate. My disdain for the war and the war machine, with my appreciation and empathy for these kids that I was the, I had to pay for college, so I got it. Makes sense, huh? That's really interesting. That's a great story. Did you? A little know? long. I, I should trim it a
1: little bit. Or uh, I'm well, open for edits. Well, we'll go over that. We we'll, we have notes. So.
3: <laughs> um, so you had nobody in your family that was in the military. Oh, my dad was in the Navy. My grandpa was oh. in uh, in the Navy in World War II. My uncles were in the Army, right. and uh, yeah, a lot a long history. My cousins have gone uh, into the service. Right. So it's it's like once you have, I feel like once you
1: because my brother was a thirty year Marine. He was a wow. He was a sergeant major. Uh, wow. Thirty years in the Marines. Yeah, and uh, he had, he had to go to the Marines because a judge gave him two choices: jail or the Marines. Because there was a recruiting. A recruitment uh, guy, whatever they're called, recruiters, uh, like in the at the court. This is old school upstate Michigan kind of judicial system, and the judge was like three, t- like jail or the Marines, three, two, one. And my brother's like Marines,
3: <laughs> salute,
1: you know, right. yeah, and yeah, thirty years. So like for me, I'm the same way. I, am you know, very anti-war. I don't get it either. It doesn't make any sense. Our military budget is ridiculous. But having a brother. And family members that are in the armed services, it's always like, but, of course, you know, appreciate and love what the military does, you know, the people that are in it, you know.
2: Yeah, like in the film, Bob sort of has that, is the voice of that, right? He sort of comes from this more like, he's like, yeah, like, like I'm like Rollins or like I'm like critiquing the, the the reason that we are here. But at the same time, I'm supporting the people that are doing it. So, Yeah.
3: It's like dealing with the immediate when you're there mm-hmm. versus the, uh, you know, the you hate the big picture, mm-hmm. but you focus on the minutiae of the day and getting by. Right. Yeah. So, so how did, how, are these, so does Jeff, Bob, and Slade, and Don, are they always the same group? And then you- no, they- yeah, they wrote. I was yeah, I was sort of the fifth Beatle, right? I'm the, the Pete best of the the group <laughs> okay. for you uh, younger listeners. <laughs> so we got
1: Leonard Skinner. Yeah, <laughs> we
3: have early Beatles. All right, guys. I'm the I'm the Billy Preston. Right, if you will, that would be awesome. Uh, that
2: is our demographic. Yeah, yeah. You're,
3: you're nailing it. <laughs>
2: right. Hey, I will.
3: I will tell you something that was interesting uh, to me. Anyway, I was looking for the end of the movie. Like, how do you end this, mm. this, which is basically a linear, like it's not, it's not totally linear, like Slade, obviously that didn't happen till the end of the tour. And it's earlier, and, um, two, two things I think your documentary fans will like is the government the department of defense said, you know, you should, you got to blur out some different <laughs> names and you got to blur out, like, don't shoot the entrances to bases and don't shoot You got to blur out the hotel you're at Mm -hmm. when if you go on YouTube, you know, there's soldiers posting their YouTube videos and whole units going, welcome to Bagram Airfield. Let us give you a tour. Our grid coordinates are (laughs) it's all it's all over the Internet. But I had to blur shit out. So rather than fight it. I just start blurring shit out at random. <laughs> and it and it gave the feel it gave this feeling of like wow this is a real clandestine yeah. film, it's top secret. And then I would use shots a couple from YouTube that I ripped up, ripped off and a couple from different bases, I would just scramble them. But it, you know what I mean? So the exterior shot of one base right. is used for another just cuz I don't want to be the guy that the Taliban like is on some video on the web going, we watched I Am Battle comic. Terrible name, by the way. <laughs> and we found the coordinates to the base. I don't do the Taliban impression, but... Uh, it's pretty good. Thanks.
2: Yeah. So That's so funny. my question is then, like, was it someone from... Like, how much government intervention is, is part of that? Like, did you work with pretty much just USO and USO is not government? And they're like, you got to take these things out. Or was there... Did you have to run this by anyone in the military for the for the blurring out of things?
3: Yes. The uh, not the USO, because Armed Forces Entertainment, which like services USO tours. Okay. Uh, they were involved, but they didn't censor it. It was someone at the Department of Defense okay. who watched I gave them a film with time code, and they were super duper uh, uh, specific, like on the refrigerator, uh, mm-hmm. there's a calendar of who's going to appear and where. Could you blur that out? Whoa. There's a conference code uh, in on the whiteboard in the back of the <laughs> ballistics guy's interview. Could you blur
2: that out? The Wi-Fi passwords up. Yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. like that, yeah.
3: So it was it was really cool. But creatively, there was only one thing. A woman got – this is crazy – so back in the in the 80s, I used to do a bit that would end with chick chicka wow, wow. It was like porn music like that was that was my getter done. That was my hot pockets. <laughs> and I know it sounds hack like a lot of the listeners are like everybody does that. OK, no, I really that was my thing. Yeah. OK. And Bob Kubota was like, just do the bit. Just do the bit for me because we knew each other in the eighties hanging out the improv. So one night I do the bit, a woman comes in late and I look at her and I go bounce. And the crowd goes crazy and she is just stone faced. And she reported to the, uh, you know, the USO uh, rec center. I forget what it's called. She said, this guy did sexual humor and he made it about me Like it was a formal complaint to the tour. And then Don had to talk to me and say, like, you you know, you can't do it. And I was like, I did it for Bob. (laughs) It's for Bob. So. Did Bob confess? Did he step up? Oh, not at all. (laughs) So you got to understand, I'm one guy with one camera and I open the show. Like I'm going up cold. Okay. Or you have like some lieutenant reads a piece of paper, you know. (laughs) Uh PE will be postponed one hour. Uh <laughs> now Jordan Brady a comedian. <laughs> You're like <laughs> this you for that intro. Yeah. So I'm off, I'm done. And then I go and do uh, snippets of the other comedians from every show, and I get reaction shots of the crowd to use wherever I need to use them. So I actually had shots of the woman, and you see the expression on her face. And so I blurred it, but I barely blurred it. Like I just (laughs) blurred her eyes so you could see her scowl on her mouth. And the uh, Department of Defense guy goes, look, this is all through email. He says, creatively, I get it. Um, We do want to protect. Oh, she wasn't even in the military, by the way. Oh. She worked on the base in a civilian, uh, you know, consultancy capacity. Okay. capacity. That's the word. So I I trimmed it a lot and I blurred her out more. And I trimmed like Slade went off on her in an interview the next day. And, and so it's it's a little bit truncated because I didn't want to. It's a love letter right. to Bob Hope, Robin Williams, like people that have performed for years. It's a love letter to the troops. It's not meant to be this right. controversial Michael Moore film of... Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, that makes
1: sense because you want to focus on what you, what you want to focus on, which is like entertaining the troops, what the troops go through, how yeah. it alleviates, gives them something else to look forward to, you know, like, uh, because it seems like from pr- pretty much, seems like everyone you interviewed, they're like... There is nothing going on. Like, we need this. You guys don't understand. That one guy was like, you're going to change fucking lives tonight. And it's like, he just kept saying it. He's like, first of all, I've got like 18, like, whatever, strap, whatever, you know, like infrared
3: and you're going to change lives. And I was like, wow, that guy's intense. He was intense. And he was on Robin Williams' private detail when he first got to the Middle East uh huh. And he had said that. Yeah. No, that moments like that are docu gold. Oh
1: yeah. When you're holding the camera and you're listening to that, what do you do? You go like, I need to check everything, or do you just go just don't push stop or like what is what goes to your mind as
3: a filmmaker? You go, oh my gosh, this is great. This is great. I I hope the sound is good. Like nobody talk. And let it roll longer than you think.
1: Oh, so you know, I've seen like a lot of like you know new filmmakers. Even when I I tried to make a doc once. Um, and what like, was that about? It was about uh, a Michigan's winningest football high school football coach, and uh, who That's is? A, it's a great doc. He's also completely deaf, and one of the other co- the other coaches didn't know that, and they would see him yelling at his his players. <laughs> Because he's deaf and they just were like, this guy's so fucking intense, you know. Uh, but he, he was like three hundred and fifty-eight and seven or something crazy. Wow,
3: that's a good doc. You gotta pick that up.
1: Yeah, he's dead and uh it was a long time ago. We we me and my buddy tried to make try trying to make that doc because I've always been I've been a huge doc fan since I was like twenty.
2: Apparently.
3: Yeah, I love
2: you host yeah. a podcast yeah.
3: dedicated to the, to doc. the medium.
1: <laughs> um but like one of the things I've seen is like people will get something cool and then they'll like use the wide and tell you know they'll go in and then they'll come out and and then as a as an audience member you're kind of like Jesus just keep it still you yeah know? like you see like what is that do you ever want to do that do you ever want to like bring get into focus or get a little closer crop shot and you're just like I don't want to touch this
3: well the great thing about the the Sony AX35 or whatever <laughs> this is called sponsored right. sponsored yeah, sponsored the content. AX33 actually <laughs> is uh, sponsored yeah the yeah the autofocus is great but in I can tell you in I am comic which was the the first of these I had more of a crew like we would shoot two days of Kentucky Fried Chicken commercials Wednesday and Thursday and I would say hey who wants to make a couple hundred bucks um. tomorrow. that's why the interviews look better oh and we would go to the improv we and scheidner would invite like 35 comedians that we could we're supposed to film in two hours or something wow so that's that we would set up in light once we had better equipment Uh, for a a lot of the interviews got it but the uh had two wonderful dps and both of them uh jean Vienne, is a woman i've worked with for two decades in commercials and to director her in her own right and I would just look at her and she would nod and then I would ask the question again like I was stupid oh. so that she could zoom in and get the tight version well, that's so so this smart. is like art it's a great technique and mm-hmm. I teach it you know at my uh, boot camp so like I remember Eliza Schlesinger for I am comic was just a young Comedian, You could tell she had great promise. And I don't think she knew that I dabbled in comedy back in the boom, chicka boom days. So I go, what's a callback? And she's like, oh, a callback is when you, and the camera's wide. So I'd be like, oh, you know, the callback is when is when you refer to a previous joke that you've told and you repeat the catchphrase or whatever she said. And I took a beat and I look at the deep, you know, my friend, Jean, the DP, and I, kind of nod and I turned back to Eliza and like, so wait, let me get this straight. A callback uh, is when you tell the same joke. Wait, you don't tell the same joke again. What is a callback again? And she goes, a callback is when you, and she repeats the answer. Right. Okay. Yeah. And so in the edit, and I don't know how it, it finally ended up, but you have like, I know that the callback is an important thing for the movie so you have two pieces of film, a wide and a tight, within a ninety-second interview. Something to cut around. Yeah. So, would do you like
1: doing talking head stuff? Do you do you enjoy that kind of format? Would you like to do kind of um a, like a roving or Michael Moore kind of camera style? I don't
3: like the sit-down interviews that much. Oh, you don't. And I hate hates a strong word, but I dislike when they put the other camera on the side. Oh.
1: I don't get it. I don't either. Why are we in profile? Like, yeah, because I think Dateline, like those like 2020 investigates, they always have that. And they always they always add in a little purple lighting and a little smoke.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you <know>? It's like <laughs> a rhythmic al- alternative. to like they'll just cut a, on a rhythm or something. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I'm sure it's to extract words.
2: Uh, but
3: uh, right. Like you. Yeah. It's it's to extract them. The rambling part of the sentence and you cut it looks seamless but to me and maybe i'm just a savvy viewer i go oh they, they what did they take out oh mm-hmm. interesting yeah what what is uh, aero
1: morris's little machine thing oh the teratron uh, Interatron? <laughs> yeah.
3: the, the Interatron, or yeah oh it's ingenious have and you he's seen been it? i it's have seen? yes oh, wow. yeah it's um well i don't know if i've seen his trademarked or patent-pended one, but right. what people do is they put a teleprompter type thing in front of the lens, but instead of words for a, an actor or interviewee to read, it's it's his camera's feed. Oh, right! So he's got a camera on him. Oh, he's in a different room or something. He's in a different right. room. And some people use it even if they're off just to the side in the same room so that we can look at each other. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Huh. That's really... Uh, yeah,
1: his interviews, like, that style is so mesmerizing. Like, when you... Like, they're slightly off camera, usually, yeah. uh, with their eyeline, and it's very always very intense, you know. Um, that's a. Do you have a favorite... Like, okay, I have a lot of... All of a sudden, I have... Why... So why docs? Like, you make... Make commercials like, why did you think, like, oh, I want to make a documentary, I want to get into documentary filmmaking, or
3: did they come first? No, uh, the documentaries kind of well, the first real doc is 30 minutes, it's called Stand Up 101. I don't know where you can find it, it used to be at like Vidyets, and I think Comedy Channel ran it in the middle of the night before. Ha and Comedy Central merge. Like, I'm going way back, stall, right? yeah. I love so, it. Gen X, baby. Ha, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Definitely the Gen X comedy boom. You know, I, I was so happy I sold this thing to Comedy Channel for $5,000 or something. And it aired in the middle of the night a couple of times. It stars Wayne Fetterman. Oh, he's your muse. Gen- 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 <laughs> Janine Garofalo's in it. Bob Zaney's in it. Um, and so here's here's how it happened. The UCLA extension program has like screenwriting, TV producing, and they have a comedy class since the 80s. And it's usually taught by someone. You go, oh, I know him. I know her. Well, I remember flipping through an old school catalog of courses and I see Wayne Fetterman. My dear friend Wayne Fetterman is teaching the comedy uh, class at the UCLA extension. And he has not told me I'm finding out through the magic of print. (laughs) So behind his back, I make a deal with the Regents of California to document the class. As long as I get everybody's release and I show up with whatever the camcorder of the day was some wireless mics and I attend every class. I even helped Wayne orchestrate a showing – like a, a showcase at the end of the class at this club called Igby's in West L.A. It was a great club back in the day. Can you, now it's a uh, – What year are we talking? I think it's like 89, 90. Okay. So he was teaching back then? The, on a whim. He just did the one semester.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah.
3: So – um then I started egging him on to get better guest speakers, like get Janine, because he and Janine were friends. And and we did the showcase at Zany's where I brought a, a decent crew and I cut this little dock. So that was before I was, you know, I was still making, I was starting to make commercials at that point, but I hadn't made any features at that point. I was, you know, self-taught as your long intro says. Uh, so that was the first one. But I Am Comic came about, I was in, Uruguay in Montevideo. Am I saying that right? In in Uruguay, yeah, shooting a Danon yogurt commercial with kids. Okay, for a global market because it's cheap there. Right. Yeah. The young creatives from New York, and this is like two thousand seven, two thousand eight. There's this new thing called YouTube. Right. So. They, I'm over directing kids and and I don't speak Spanish and they don't speak English. And I'm trying to do this commercial. And I come back to the video village. That's where the ad agency and the, the yogurt clients are there. And one of them goes, oh, my God, you're on YouTube. And I'm like, what? Oh, yeah, yeah. And the green suit or whatever bad <laughs> 90s clothes or 80s clothes right. I was wearing. Like there's this clip and it was me doing even at the improv or MTV, half hour, comedy hours, a big show back in the day. And like, what was that like? And then for the next few years, that question started popping up on, on my sets. Like I'm in the village hanging out while they light. What was it like to be a comedian? What was it like? And then I just one day was like, I can't answer it anymore. I'm just going to make a documentary. Oh, interesting. That's how that That's how that came to be. Were you a Doc fan before
1: that? Oh, yeah, yeah. What was your, like, gateway Doc? What got you into Docs?
3: I mean, American movies. Fuck, yeah. Like, so good, so good, so funny. I mean, it's brilliant on so many levels.
1: So fucking brilliant.
3: I mean, Roger and Me is so good when the lady goes... She's skinning rabbits in her backyard and going, looking around, like, I shouldn't be doing this. Like, you're on film. It's pets so <laughs> meat. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the pets are meat scene. I, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that was the one for me. It was Marjo. American movie? No, um, uh, Roger and Me. Marjo yeah. and Roger and Me. I rented those from our local library because they were free. All the documentaries were free to rent. And I just would pick up ten of them and just watch them. And then I saw Roger and me, and I was like, "Oh fuck! What is this? Like, what is this style? This is awesome."
3: There's another one called Theremin. Oh yeah, about
2: the guy who invented the Theremin, like Doctor
3: Theremin or whatever his name, Vladimir Theremin, and it's a love story. And and that one is wonderful. There's a you know there's a um, who's uh, Valentino. Actor? Or, no no not Valentino the designer what are, oh oh <laughs> oh,
1: yeah isn't it Valentino the guy that did the umbrellas and
3: that's Christo that's oh, a that's designer Christo, right. I'm talking about a fashion guy why am I blanking and it's about his last hurrah and he and his lover it's another love story it's beautiful that's that's a doc that you that's a
1: doc that, know, that I yeah yeah that's interesting uh, I don't know if I've seen that, but i do not not
3: quite sure who we're talking about. Um, cause Anvil? That came later, but Anvil, the story of Anvil, oh. you know that one? Oh, yeah. That Very one. American movie-like. It is. It yeah. is.
1: And it's also like real-life Spinal Tap. It's insane oh. how much it, it, rep, it, like, mirrors Spinal Tap. <laughs> it's fucking nuts, too. When they're in the Czech Republic and they're not getting paid and they have that, oh. those scenes are amazing. I love that. Um, so, do you have do you have a, any another I am something
3: comic in mind? Is it, I am podcast comic? I am TikTok comic. Right. <clears throat> I mean the the real pivot would be to do I am podiatrist. Sure. <laughs> like it has nothing to do with stand up. It's just I the I am series, yeah. uh, and there are you know go to a a, a foot doctor convention, almost like good hair uh-huh right right and and i think there would be f- there that would be funny i am i'm producing a documentary that uh my friend pat reynolds is directing on uh radio satirist legend phil hendry oh God. oh phil hendry man. you know who phil hendry he's uh of course yeah yeah and henry rollins uh is in it did an interview uh bill Hader, judd apatow oh wow Wayne Fetterman. Who is that? Uh, yeah. I'm not familiar with his work. Wayne has been in every, every movie I've ever made. I know. He's your muse. Uh, he's, in, he's, he's in a little scene film with Jenna Malone called, oh, they changed the name. Uh, it was <laughs> Lifer's Picnic. It's called Confessions of an American Girl, like an indie that just went nowhere. And Wayne's a paramedic. Oh, nice! In waking up in Reno with Billy Bob Thornton and Charlie's Theron, Wayne is in the chicken suit because when you have a friend that you want to put in a movie and you offer him a part, he says yes, and he goes, "What do I play?" And I say, "Well, Ronnie the Rooster." Of course, that's <laughs> your part. Which brings us
1: to the chicken joke uh, in *I Am yeah. It's a, going full circle.
2: So
1: I like. How do you transition from military, not military, college, not college, stand-up comedy, not stand-up comedy, filmmaker? Like how does like how
3: do you go from that to directing commercials? That's such a weird leap. ADHD and lack of commitment to any one particular thing. It's actually it's actually quite uh, an easy journey. Okay. Okay. So, the military thing, like I never, I don't call myself a Marine. You're the brother of a Sergeant Major. Like I never, I completed the one summer, I never went back for this, for the thing. So, uh, I'm doing comedy, natural calling. And that takes me around the country, takes me to England, Canada. And now I'm living in LA and I'm hired to host a game show, which a lot of comedians make game show, good game show hosts, right? It's same skill set. It's like riffing with the crowd. You would be an excellent game show host. So uh, I'm working on that. We did like 85 episodes in a summer. And I'm looking at, the, I'm like, wow, this is cool. And I'm shooting stuff and I have a camcorder on the road and I'm teaching myself. I'm reading, editing books and shit like that. I'm like, wow, I really like this behind the scenes. So you start writing bits and start shooting little things and stand up one one and then I uh, speaking of spinal tap i I ended up making a the country music spinal tap as my first feature film. It's called Dill Scallion, okay. Wayne Fetterman plays Doc the bassist in that one Nice. Uh, Billy Burke is the lead actor in the tit the titular, titular, uh, role. And it, we, we had a bus, we rented a bus and we went around the country and performed at gigs. Like I literally got them gigs and filmed it like a Borat style. Interesting. And this is in 96, uh, 1996, 97, I think it was. Yeah. 97 came out 99, like at Slam Dance. And then DVD and Showtime and VH1 picked it. Like it, it had a nice run, and that got me into commercials. Like I would pitch people to raise money for that movie, and I remember this one ad agency and this production company go, or the production company says, "We're not giving you money for your indie film." Like I'd show them a trailer to raise more money, but you can uh, pitch on this commercial. It was for WD forty, and that was my first like real commercial. And I had done promos for Comedy Central and shit like that. So, oh, wow. So as I was still doing comedy, like I did promos on the road from the Houston Laugh Stop and I would ship them back to Comedy Central. When you say doing promos, is what does that mean? Well, I, I just, I started writing and directing promo campaigns. Probably the best was uh, we did one for the Ben Stiller show. And we got the cast together. We got Ben Stiller. Like when Comedy Central acquired the show. Right. And it, since it was dead, we had Ben Stiller and Janine and Andy Dick. And I want to say Bob Odenkirk was on that show. Yeah. B- digging up the big <laughs> cassettes from a grave. Uh-huh. With Hollywood <laughs> Cemetery. Did, uh, did
1: Wayne Fetterman play... Uh, Stiller, <laughs> <laughs> that, did you have right, him? Yeah. <laughs> that's is that how you met Judd Apatow? Because I know wasn't he? He was a writer
3: on that, wasn't he? Yeah. He, you know, I, I, yeah. I didn't meet Judd there. I met Judd at the Improv. Oh, okay. Judd would host like Friday nights. He was a great MC.
1: Okay. Cool. That's how. That's how I met Wayne. Was at the Improv, and I had to introduce him, and. I said, what do you want for your intro? And he was like, I don't know. I'm not sure or whatever. And then I was like, okay. And then Judd Apatow walked up and I was like, fuck, it's Judd Apatow. And then he's Wayne said, this is Paco. He's going to introduce me. And Judd said, what kind of comedy do you do to me? And I was like, I don't, fuck, I don't know. You're <laughs> Judd Apatow. And then Wayne was like, yeah, what kind of comedy do you do? Because I don't want to come up after you if, you if you're like one of these like crazy big, you know. And I was like, what? Is going on? I was like, I just want your intro because you guys are legends. And now and then, so afterwards, I was talking to Judd outside, and he was talking about being a poor comedian and making your way up. As he's leaning on his Maserati yeah. that was <laughs> parked out front, <laughs> I was like, this is insane.
3: And w- was this like a couple years ago? Uh, I was five years ago, probably five or six years ago. Because Judd came back into stand up. Right. And I know Wayne was opening for him on the road and writing material, and they were working together on that. And I think Judd performed that night as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. I think
1: that's when he was first, like, putting it back together. Oh, that's a fun the, story.
2: Yeah, he produced the, the, the Gary Shanling thing too, right? Judd yeah, oh, produced yeah. and directed yeah. that. Yeah.
1: yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was uh, – What? how do you – man, I have so many questions for you. How, uh, how do you feel about these
3: docu-series? Do you like them? Oh, yeah. Do you hate them? Do you have no um, – I, it depends on the – it's a case-by-case case basis. So, you know, my wife and I, we love the the Q, QAnon.
2: Oh, you love that one?
3: Yeah, we because we, we're – it was a whodunit. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we liked uh, – what was the one about the cult, like, nowhere? North Nexium? Country. Oh, Nexium oh, oh, oh Wawa,
2: Wawa, Wawa Country, you're thinking.
3: Wawa <laughs> Country was good, but Nexium was better. Yeah. Because that guy was a weasel. Oh,
1: oh the, the weasel. Like – there's not much more weasel than you can get than that
3: dude. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think the docu-series is... Um, it's, to me, I like the buttoned-up feature. So I think the docu-series is, a, uh, is born of the streaming era,
2: mm-hmm.
3: which was accelerated by the pandemic. Because I love going into a theater with a congregation of people watching a documentary and leaving and f- having a feeling and a, and some questions left yeah. over and yeah. you know that to me is a great experience right that is you know may or may not come back to the way it was but the docu series is um you know there there's some great there's great f- films right yeah there's some there, i mean the um
1: the Stephen Avery one, you know, uh, Making a Murderer, like the 10-part doc. Yeah. I mean, that to me was a masterpiece. Yeah. And The Staircase, like that's a masterpiece of filmmaking and docuseries. But now it's like we've made a eight-part docuseries on where paper comes from. And it's like, yeah. fuck, like this could have really just been one, guys, you know? Like now it's – I always feel like it's like, all right, this is too many
3: episodes. Right. They're stretching it out to fill the order. I mean, that's what I loved about... Look, Apatow clearly has a relationship with HBO that goes back for years, but I love the Shandling doc and I love just how personal that was and how I think... I mean, I can't speak for him, but it felt cathartic for Judd because this is his mentor and friend and and he had such personal stuff in those diaries. Like... Talk about doc you gold, um, you know when you find that. Yeah, that's insane. That is
1: insane. Like, like wh- that story is in- his story of becoming a. I mean, I'm talking about Judd, like his story yeah. in, in comedy, and then getting into working and producing in the Larry Sanders Show, and then Gary's fucking story. Yeah, especially of the story of the Carlin going to see Carlin, and Carlin yeah. just like whatever kid, you know, and then him just like I'm not going to take no for an answer, you know. And it's like. That's that's ins- I did tell to Wayne though when we were talking to him about it. I'm like, there are emperors that don't have a four part uh, docu series about them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, like, we we are talking about a stand up comedian, but yeah, Gary was beloved, and they did such a good job. And then they they Wayne showed us the the booklet that the everyone funeral. got at the funeral. The funeral yeah, yeah, yeah. At the oh, right, right. Um, afterwards, which was stunning. You know, there was a lot of love there. Yeah. There is a lot. It would be, have you ever, I mean, you make commercials. So I'm, I was going to say, have you ever made anything that you just were dispassionate about? Like, how I wonder how you deal with something like that.
2: Dan and in the, in the Uruguay.
3: <laughs> oh, no, I, I I love all the commercials. I really do. Well, you because you've made over 1,200 commercials. <laughs> well, I mean, th- there are some that you favor more than others. Like if you're doing a campaign, you know, and you're doing six spots and, that used to be three or four days. Now with, with with comedy dialogue, you know, you can do two spots in a day or three. I've done four in a day if they're simple with great actors. Holy shit. But if but if you're doing like a pharmaceutical commercial, it's inversely proportionate. You'll get like four or five days to do one ad. Oh, interesting. You know. Everybody's got to be in the, the paddle boat and then by the fair. And there's <laughs> usually a couple in, ba- in bathtubs, a couple in
1: bathtubs. Yeah, All right. You know, George uh, and I are both commercial actors, so um, that's good to know. We'll I send, love uh, We'll send our headshots along. Um, yeah, I mean, that's. Mine might take a while.
2: Yeah, <laughs> mine's, um, mine's standing against a tree. So uh, Jordan, you, you mentioned uh, one thing that we kind of got in you on this show. You mentioned on Twitter that you kind of felt like there's sort of like a wave of comedy docs. Like you're like you kind of feel personally like you're over comedy docs, or that like there's a wave of comedy docs that you're like not into. Is that right? Or I, without throwing anyone particularly under the bus? Yeah, no, I'm no. Hey, about, yeah. and and anybody listening that wants to make a
3: doc, a comedy doc or any doc. You can email me. I'm easy to find. DM me. I'll help as best I can. Right? Awesome. How to avoid pitfalls? Things to look out for? Um, No, I just, I just think, George, that I tweeted that because there's so many. There are so many docs about comedy. Mm -hmm. Like I saw Heckler at the Laugh Factory. And I approached Michael Addis, the director of that. Is
1: that Jamie Kennedy?
3: The Jamie Kennedy, yeah. yeah. And I said, "Hey, let me take you to coffee and pick your brain because, you know, you cram so much information into that, and I learned a lot from him. Um, and I learned a lot watching watching docs. I just felt like it's. I wanted to make she-be comics as about female comedians." Oh, because Hysterical in, just came out. And Hysterical came out. And they have the clip from I Am Comic in there of Nikki Glaser. Um, and I was like, well, now that that sort of prompted it because I liked Hysterical. By the way, why didn't they call it Hysterical? <laughs> Missed opportunity. Missed opportunity. Uh, I felt like when you start using clips from other comedy docs mm-hmm. in your doc, maybe it's to, maybe we need to take a break, <laughs> right? But that's not a, that's not a slam. I swear. Like I remember a friend asked me a couple years ago, Hey, do you mind if they use this clip? And I said, if they have a good fair rights, uh, fair use attorney, they don't have to ask me. They can just use it. Right. And I'll give them the master, pull what you want off the DVD. And then when you find out what you want, I'll give you a master like from my garage and you can have a great quality. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen. But I'm flattered to be and have the clip in the movie, and they even credited on screen. I was very, very, very humbled by that. Oh yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I, but and we were talking a little bit about the Great Depression. Yeah, the docu element of that I think is great, mm-hmm. and I wish more stand-up specials incorporated that because we get to know a little more than just the the jokes. Right. Yeah. Uh, there's who's the woman that did one? She spends time with her grandmother. Oh, not Jenny Slade, but
2: Jenny. Oh, it's a stand-up. Jenny Slade does. Yeah, Jenny Slade does hang out with her family. I was also thinking of the Whitmer Thomas one. I don't know that. A little bit of a documentary element to it as well. It's called the Golden One or the Golden Child. It's on HBO. Also, he where he it. I mean, I haven't seen the Great Depression, but I think it's a a little bit of biographical memoir aspect to it as well as just a set.
3: Um, Yeah. Well, the and eddie Pepitone's doc the the bitter Buddha from bitter Buddha by mm-hmm. young Stevie Fine Arts. he's not young, mm-hmm. but it's fun to say it like that, yeah, uh I'd love that movie and and just I think it was a perfect blend of stand up and Doc, mm-hmm. like just enough, right. Yeah, I do too. The Bitter Buddha is one of my favorite
1: comedy docs because it's it's Eddie Pepitone for one. Yeah, and you get to meet his dad and stuff. Like it's like Jeff Capri could have like an interesting doc about you know with him and his dad. Like that was a very interesting moment in. You're do- oh, yeah. in I Am Battle comic when he's talking to his his Catskill comedian father. And he's like, I got a joke for you,
3: kid. You know, <laughs> like. <laughs> I love that. As a matter of fact, I wanted to film them together. Yeah, they did go. a gig together in Atlantic City. So it was like, I am son of comic or. Son- yeah. son- there was some, you know, I'm terrible with the titles, but uh, <laughs> there was something there. And I think at the time I was just, I was working. And couldn't make it to the show. And if I don't want to send a crew, right? I want to be there.
1: Yeah, I mean that's got to be tough. It's like, um, you know, being Buddy Hackett's son, or you know, yeah. being the son of like, or already or a daughter of a established, le- like, legendary comic, and you're a comic. I mean, how that would be so weird.
3: But son of comic, which would include daughters, right? You know, Polly Shore. His dad's Sammy Shore. Yeah, Sammy's comedian. Jeff Capri and his and uh, Dick Capri would be the the stars. You know, Dick Capri is in I Am Battle Comic. A clip from him back at the real Friars Club roasts. Oh my god! And it gets it gets a laugh every screening. It's because you don't know where that joke's going.
1: Yeah. Oh, when he's when he's telling that joke, it's like, where is this going? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, that's, I watched one of his, like, Ed Sullivan clips today. Dick Capri was on Sullivan, I think, probably a few times. I don't know. But I watched one of them because I was like, who is this guy? I want to learn more about Dick
3: Capri. Yeah, he's, I mean, it's classic. It's, it's funny because Phyllis Diller was in I Am Comic and I got to interview her for, uh, and and for a couple other, like, film festivals asked me to interview her afterwards and I w- I'd go to her house, and and I, she was always able to turn it on. And I remember before the interview, she said, "Jordan, uh, is this a is this a live set? In other words, is the is the crew allowed to laugh?" <laughs> and I was like, "She's telling me that the crew's allowed oh, to laugh." Man, and man. I said, "Yes, ma'am." Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> I don't do Phyllis Diller, but they, you know, get the idea. Yeah, and she tells a joke like a one-liner, and it gets a laugh every time. And It is her timing, and then her tag is the laugh at her own joke. Oh,
1: right. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I've seen yeah. other comics do that. Other like like I love Nate Bar- Bargatze, and he does. He'll he'll end a joke with like so. Yeah, it's kind of the same kind of
3: thing. Anyway, anyway. Well, Chappelle did a special where he tapped the mic on his leg repeatedly to get some Pavlovian response.
1: <laughs> but it
3: know. fit it fit to the rhythm. So
1: it's who's amazing. who is a like a who's a legend that you've not met and talked to that you would love to
3: interview, like comedian? You know, I love that Nate special he did outside. It's so by the cool. way, yeah, it's it's so really cool. fun, and it's just it'll it'll be a a timestamp. True. For the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. The, yeah. Yeah, he's great. I love Nate. Uh to answer your question, Chris Rock. I've never met Chris Rock. And I I love Chris Rock's comedy. I love his specials. Most of the movies. Right. Fargo, did you watch the recent season? I haven't I have not seen it. It's and it shows up on my queue every time. And I'm like, well, you gotta understand. My wife and I, when we binge, like it's a weekend, right? So yeah. it's like, mm, I didn't watch Game of Thrones till like six seasons in. And she goes, Okay, I'll start at the beginning. Oh, and we, in like in two months, we went through every, we were caught to the future. When you watch movies with her, is she
1: like, Yeah, I don't know about that scene. They should have really uh, moved that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a callback. That is a callback. That's what that, is. that is a callback. Oh, Jordan, this has been awesome. I feel like I could talk to you for hours and hours. Um, but thank you for being on Subdoc. This is is great to finally get to talk to you and get to meet you.
3: Oh, thanks for having me. I'm a fan of the show. I've followed you guys for a long number of years now, and uh, it's a real treat to be on the show with you.
2: Yeah, you can, be our, uh, you can be one of our return guests so Next time you have something out We'll just bring you back I Just love like it. your buddy Wayne
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yes, please, yeah, come back Let us know what's happening If you have, um, we'll put your uh, socials In the notes and all that good stuff So people can follow you But yeah, absolutely if, Or if you have any, just like You got some strong opinions about what docs are doing Just let us know, we'll bring you back And talk
3: it out You know, I, I gotta say, I love them all like I, I'm not saying that they shouldn't make more. It's just if it's just a cover song of another doc. You know, one of my favorites is, and I'll shut up. <laughs> Bonnie Bonnie McFarland's oh, yeah. uh, "Women Aren't Funny" mm-hmm. because it was it was so fresh, and she did bits within the doc. Like she dresses up as a man and goes on stage. She's out in the field, you know, like I want that kind of stuff, not just follow the comedian and do the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I I liked it when they
1: got into the wacky cold openings for a while. There's a few years Mm -hmm. where there's like wacky cold openings and then they walk out on stage and it's like,
3: Oh, for comedy
1: specials, you mean? Yeah.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah. The wacky. I remember, uh, yeah. Like Jeff Foxworthy did a Showtime thing where he literally fell off a turnip truck. And it must have been like a big to-do. And it was funny. And he, yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's but, but why? Like, just get to the jokes. Just open it. Yeah. Let's just get, get to the jokes, kid. By the way, he, he, he if, if you, if you want to show a clip that shows what uh, the mind of a comedian, Jeff Foxworthy, who is a dear friend and Kill's, Right? Yeah, he's a legend. Like, I love all, all types of comedy. He comes off stage at the Phoenix Amphitheater in The Round, and I'm filming it, right, for I Am Comic. And he, he's coming right from the stage towards my camera, and I've got it right there. And this is one of those moments where you said, do you know, what do you do? Right, when you do you yeah. know you have comedy gold? He's coming right at the camera, and I go, Jeff, you destroyed, man. I mean, that was, that was an hour and a half. And he goes, he looks at his watch. He goes, about an hour forty. <laughs> I mean, then it, it would never go. Are you kidding me? That don't don't shot, sh- Don't yeah. cut ten minutes off of my set. Right. That was an hour forty. All
2: right. I'll hit the stop. Hit button. little.
3: St-
1: He's just on top of his game here. That is a man who knows what he's doing for sure. Um, Okay. Well, thank you, sir. It was great. Thank you. Yeah. And um, we will talk soon.
2: Cool. Thanks, guys. Thanks, sir. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about SupDoc at SupDocPodcast.com, recapping reality since 2015. Our theme song was written by David Siegel. Our show was engineered by Will
1: Scoville. Our associate producer is Nick Coltus.
2: Please donate to the show through our Patreon page, patreon.com slash SupDocPodcast. If you want to help us in other ways, please share the show with a friend. Join the Doc Talk and check out our hot takes, pictures,
1: and videos on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We're SupDoc Podcast
2: on all those platforms. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. To find out more about my and George's comedy gigs, check out our About Us page on our website. And SupDoc is by Doc Fans for Doc Fans. So if you want to advertise, got a film, or opinions you want to share, just hit us up. We'd love to hear more from you and what you're docking out on. So email us at
1: supdocpodcast at gmail.com.